Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World, the practical voice podcast. On today's episode of VUX World, we are chatting to Bree Glazer and Brooke Hawkins and we are talking about in-store brand activation through voice. Essentially, what that means is using voice to increase sales in stores. Um, the Voice shopping has been... Depending on which side of the fence you sit, it's either been um, uh, touted as the future and this is what it's all going to be. But then on the other side, it's been kind of, you know, received with mixed reactions. Um, We haven't really seen any hard numbers from Amazon or from Google. I think Amazon said that their uh, voice shopping stats have increased threefold, but there's no numbers there. So how voice and shopping go together and how that will unfold in the future is still a little bit unknown but Bree and Brooke with Mars Agency have been involved in working heavily on their in-store voice assistant that helps users make better decisions within the shopping environment and also actually increases sales so this is voice shopping working in-store some fantastic design lessons some interesting technical lessons from implementing voice in store as well especially when you've got to kind of coordinate lights on shelves and all this kind of stuff um, but it's a really really good use case and it's a good exploration of a use case there's plenty of advice and tips in there as well um, and it's just yeah it's an absolutely it's an inspirational episode put it that way Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'm obviously joined by Dustin Coates, as I am each week. This is Bree Glazer and Brooke Hawkins on VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. Branding with the big faces. I love listening to it. Kane Sims. Kane Sims. Kane Sims, the one and only. Britain's finest, Mr. Kane Sims. Dustin. Dustin. Dustin Coates. I like it when you guys are together and talking about voice. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Bree and Brooke, welcome to VUX World. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Thank you for having us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, very welcome. It's nice for you to join us, Brooke. We've been kind of chatting off and on for for quite a while now. Yeah, it's nice that we've nice that we've uh, we've done it. Definitely, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> cool. How are you, Dustin? I'm doing all right, Kane. How are you yourself? Yes, not bad, not bad. For those listening, um, we're slightly delayed on this. I was uh, caught at the office, so apologies before we begin. Apologies for uh, for the delay on this, but. We're all here now, and we're going to chat about in-store voice shopping. And if we do have time, we're going to talk about voice shopping in general. But uh, Bree and Brooke have both been working uh, pretty much exclusively on voice shopping. Is that is that fair to say? Or have you done other voice projects as well? I think that's that's fair to say. Um, so we both work for the Mars Agency, which is a marketing agency that's focused specifically on marketing kind of across the omni-commerce environment. So um, in simple terms, we're looking at shoppers and we're talking to shoppers all the time. So um, from a voice perspective, we definitely have that kind of shopping emphasis. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we also think about, you know, how brands can kind of build equity with voice, um, but we definitely have a specific interest in helping them uh, connect with shoppers. Mm. And so... What about yourself, Brooke, then? How did you how did you get involved in Mars and how did you get involved in, in voice? 
Yeah. So I've been working in voice for pretty much my whole career at this point um, and started designing IVR calls. So those really pesky robo calls that everyone loves so much mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for healthcare. Uh, and then from there kind of dabbled in different areas of the voice or conversational world, like designing chatbots for different big fortune 500 companies, um, designing courses to teach people what this new field is all about. And then ultimately I, came back to Michigan. I'm originally from here and found Mars and was really excited to see this work happening in my home state and joined the team. Um, so now I'm designing all of these really great voice experiences for brands like Brie mentioned. Fantastic. Um, and what about yourself then, Brie? How did you kind of get into voice and what do you do at Mars? Um, definitely a less direct path. Um, so I used to work for um, it used to be kind of in planning on the agency side and we had this special project um, around putting voice at retail um, just based on kind of feeling like we want to meet the shopper with the latest technology and, you know, respond to where they're um, where they are. Um, So I joined the innovation team at Mars. It was kind of a pivot for me. Um, So I had this research background. I joined this project so that we could design something that was really um, human-centered and solved a real consumer problem. So um, that was all at the very beginning of this whole um, kind of smart aisle voice at retail project. Um, And that's how we kind of landed with the experience that we have now in the category that we have now. So um, I became a voice designer kind of uh, by default. Um, (laughs) And just bringing kind of a strategic design background that I have um, to a new area um, it's been really exciting to be able to kind of pioneer um, in such a new, I mean, I suppose you could say it's not new because Brooke has, um, you know, experience that goes way back on the voice front. But once we see smart speakers in homes, it's like there's a whole new behavior that we're responding to. And and that's kind of, you know, as we all know, and being in this industry, that's really driven um, just a kind of a new field. Definitely. Yep. And so Mars then, you mentioned omni-channel shopping. So Mars presumably does a whole lot more than, than voice. How much of, I mean, Brooke, it sounds as though you're purely working on voice full-time. In terms of Mars, how how much of, of Mars's kind of, um, you know, how much of Mars's business, I suppose, is, is purely voice? Um, voice is new for Mars. Um, so it's a company that's been around for, you know, 40-plus years um, and they started with um, really pretty pure play retail activation. So lots of in-store marketing, um, activating brands in-store. Um, and we still do tons of that. So that's our bread and butter. Um, but, you know, as the world changes and shoppers shop in many places, um, you know, we built an e-com team. Um, and then in the last about 18 months, also this voice team Um so we're small and nimble, but I think it's super important for Mars to be watching the voice commerce space um, because we need to be able to offer our, our clients um, the best thinking and about sort of the future of commerce. You mentioned the in-store um, activation side of things. Is that where Smart Isle comes from and, and what is Smart Isle? Do you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, we actually started in voice by creating a skill for Alexa for one of our brands. So that's user and skincare. Um, And it was pretty quickly after that, that we, and this was actually prior to me joining the team um, just by a few months. But um, the thinking was, you know, why don't we try helping someone um, 
you know, with product selection at the point of purchase. So really right there in brick and mortar, like why not? Um, so that was the original thinking. And then, you know, after lots of kind of, as I mentioned earlier, exploratory research, um, we have now about two years later, um, come to the place where we have a voice solution for, um, the whiskey category that's live in five stores out here on the West coast. Um, those are BevMo stores. Um, and we're helping shoppers decide, you know, which we might like to purchase. Um, so it's a really simple conversation. Um, we've designed a few different kind of ways in, so it can appeal to both people who know a little bit about the category and maybe total novices. Um, and yeah, and then they can get like one or three recommendations or up to three recommendations of what whiskey they might like to enjoy. So that's the that's the beginning, and that's where it's at now. And we're really excited about kind of expanding into other categories um, mm-hmm. and helping shoppers with that sort of product selection and product education. I think at the same time. And what does that interaction look like when a customer wants to pick out a whiskey and use Smart Isle? Yeah. So basically, they'll approach the shelf, um, and there's a lot of fun lights and signage to let them know how to interact. <laughs> uh, but once they do, they're greeted by the personality, um, which we've tailored custom for each of our clients uh, so far. Um, for Bevmo, it's a personality called Bev, so she kind of guides them through a few questions. Um, and we did a lot of research prior to that, so we know exactly uh, depending on you know how much users know about the product um, before coming to the shelf. We're really able to to tailor those questions to make sure they're getting the information they need. Nothing that's too simple or too over the top uh, based on where they're at. So after asking a few of those questions, then they get a really cool recommendation of what whiskey they should buy. Um, and then that all of those kind of IOT lights light up the products for them as well. So they can get a guided walkthrough and, and also a little story about each bottle that they're about to buy. That's interesting. So, and I think I've seen this, um before we um before we kind of had a chat and, and decided to do a podcast and stuff like that i distinctly remember seeing um it was a post online which was a huge you know cabinet full of whiskey which to be fair is pretty much the perfect use case because picking a whiskey is just a complete nightmare right, so intimidating um, so <laughs> absolutely <laughs> uh yeah so so presumably I'm, I'm assuming it was smart isle that, that i've seen I'll, I'll, I'll dig out the uh i'll dig out things i'm on one now for marketing dive i don't know if that was specifically the uh yes that that the, should the be it that, that should be us so that's actually our first pilot which was at bottle rocket wine and spirit in new york city um so we did a really scrappy um, first execution in 2018. So it was just a year ago um, that we did that. And um, it was also in the whiskey category. It was a little bit of a different VUI um, that was particular for that store. Um, the personality there is the bottle genius. Um, but that was super fun. I mean, the, the guys there, the owners, are, were such good partners in kind of coming up with what that shopping solution was. Um, yeah, so that's the one that you probably heard about before. And for the installation, are you bringing in an off-the-shelf device, an Echo or a Google Home there, or do you have custom custom hardware that needs to be installed? Well, we have custom hardware um, when you look at the entire product, but we are also leveraging the off-the-shelf um, Echo. So the Echo is then connected to um, 
our IoT lighting system, um, which I think kind of gets when we talk about this solution kind of gets left out um, because it's, you know, it's a voice first solution. It's about the conversation and we're really excited about that. But when we watch consumers use it, to be honest, it's the lights at the end that kind of light up each product that just make people like so excited. It's honestly <laughs> like a magical experience watching people like they just love the lights. So I, I don't want to leave that out. I think that's an important part of the solution. Is that done through through the skill, the control of the lights? Is that done through the skill like or is that a separate thing that's that's that you need to do to make because you know you go through the process you'll you'll be presumably filtered down uh from a, you know all of the whiskies through to a select few depending on maybe might be a price or whatever i'm assuming is that the skill that will tell the lights which lights to work or is that something separate um yes i mean i can't I'm not the uh, product manager or the technical mm-hmm. person, so I, I also don't want to reveal too much. But uh, yes, the skill communicates with the lights. And is that is that is that something you've got to design for, Brooke? Is that part of the design process? Is figuring out the you know how to make how to filter down those products, or are you approaching it purely from the conversational side of things? Yeah, that's definitely a part of what we think about as well. Definitely, we want to make sure that our recommendations are meeting people's expectations and aren't leading them to be you know disappointed or feel like their recommendation didn't match what they said. So uh, we definitely partnered uh, uh, this time with Distiller, uh, which is a big repository of whiskey information online, uh, to make sure that we had a lot of information about the flavor profiles and uh, pretty much down to like very specific notes of each of those flavors or aspects of those whiskeys. Um, and we actually create our own database so that we can match all those bottles based on I think it's something like 14 specific flavor profiles. Um, So yeah, that's definitely something we think about uh, in terms of the matches. And we're also thinking about things like how long should we pause between the lights when they're playing out those recommendations so that uh, it doesn't feel overwhelming and it doesn't feel too slow. So we really do have a hand in every single part of making sure the recommendation feels helpful and useful and not overwhelming. Where can you see this headed in the future? I imagine that you're starting off with the beverage category, but I'm sure you've thought in the future as well. Do you see this being used in other uh, sort of categories or in other things besides just recommendations? Yeah, we're seeing that so far. We're about to do a few launches in a couple of different categories, so we'll definitely be testing our hypotheses shortly. <laughs> But definitely in these kind of high information, high value categories where uh, you're approaching a bunch of products and it's really hard to distinguish between them, I think we'll definitely see value uh, for the product deselector. Um, some examples are like skincare, for example. It's a lot of information and hard to distinguish. Um, consumer electronics is something we thought a lot about. Um, definitely continuing with the food and beverage. I think there's a, a couple other key categories there that might be of interest. Um, But yeah, I think there's a lot of room here and I'm particularly interested in thinking in the future about how we kind of integrate more with in-store associates and and other personnel and environmental things in the store. How can we uh, maybe incorporate things like wayfinding or pinging different customer associates in the store? I think there's there's so much we can do in terms of thinking about the context that is is interesting for the future. (laughs) I like the fact that you mentioned earlier the intimidation factor, I think, especially in in specialty stores when you're just getting into something, say it's a hardware store or maybe a sporting goods store, going in there and asking a person for help 
can sometimes be really intimidating because they know so much and you you know next to nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so having this to, to be able to guide the customers must be something that encourages foot traffic and encourages those beginners to come in. Yeah, we, we certainly hope so. Um, I think it was really, really important to us to create an experience that was not um, intimidating and not challenging. Um, you know, we kind of had this mantra, of, you know, do not ask any questions that would be difficult to answer um, yeah. and really connect shoppers to a lot of value without depending on them knowing a lot of information. So it's a kind of an, it's a really interesting challenge requires a lot of conversation um, with shoppers to figure out what kinds of questions they were organically asked um, and how does that vary based on how much they know the category already. Um, and then how can we translate that into real solutions? Um, but I also like how you mentioned, you know, that it can be intimidating to talk to a human. Um, definitely think that that's the case. Um, but I also, you know, want to admit or make the caveat that we don't think that we're replacing humans, um, at least not entirely. And particularly in the whiskey category, we found that there's a couple different ways of shopping. And one way really is dependent on a human giving you their opinion. Um, and we can't replace that. Um, so if somebody wants that associate's, that expert's opinion, that's that's a role for a human. Um, if somebody wants, you know, a really, really tailored kind of AI matched solution or, or sorry, recommendation, that's that's where we come in. So there's a different value that it offers. Um, and I hope that it's complementary to um, the humans that are already in the store. It's at least my point of view on it. Definitely. So it sounds as though the the voice component is essentially dealing with facts whereas the human deals with the ambiguity so the human will say well i prefer this one because it's made in such and such and it, you know i like smoky whiskies so it's like that whereas the the skill might if you say i just want something that's under 30 pounds or 30 dollars and something that is good for getting into you know starting to like whiskey or something like that is that is that a fair analogy that the voice component deals with the facts and the human deals with the ambiguity or is that completely wrong well i think that we make an attempt to deal with the ambiguity a little bit more than um the example you gave only because we think that it would kind of be overkill if we just had a navigational tool right so if if you just came up and said price and maybe scotch or rye or something like that i think that wouldn't be enough value um you know we light it up for you like that's great you could also read the label and see that so we we do try to get a little bit uh further so i can give you a good good example of one of the more popular ways to use it um we found that in this category, people usually or often come in and say something like, I, I typically drink X, right? So maybe I drink Woodford Reserve normally. Um, and I want something that's a little bit similar to that. Um, it's not going to be completely different, but it's a little bit more special perhaps. Um, so we can match based on that flavor profile of a current favorite. Um, so that's one way that I think that the AI algorithm really helps um, deliver additional value beyond just, you know, an associate kind of guessing or maybe they don't know the category that well, that varies so much human to human. Because essentially you've got all the data on, on every single whiskey mm-hmm. right. rather than the, the few favourites that the, the, you know, the salesperson or the install clerk might have. Yeah, exactly. And 
what why is voice such a good fit for install because i think we've had similar conversations when we've been talking about voice in the enterprise and and some of the kind of things that tend to come up every now and then is that some people feel quite comfortable talking to their assistants in public or in the workplace or whatever some people either tend to use it at home or they might use it you know if there's no one around why is voice why does voice work well in store and is there anything around you know um current customer behavior are people kind of reluctant to use it do they see it as a novelty factor why why is voice a good place to 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 use in in this example that you've been given um yeah i mean i think that voice makes sense in retail because it is so frictionless like for the same reasons that it makes sense at home um People have been trying to make mobile in retail work for a long time. And I think there's still barriers there, like having to download an app, having to take out your phone. Um, scan a QR those, code. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Those are all points of friction. Um, and to actually just speak is so much simpler. We think that engagement is just definitely going to be higher. Um, you do, you know, also bring up a, a current challenge is that, you know, comfort with voice services is, still growing. So I think as people bring smart speakers into their homes, and now we're kind of, we're creeping up to 50% of households in the US, um, they get dramatically more comfortable with this kind of interface. Um, And I think right now, we're still seeing half of folks not feeling that comfort. um, But we really believe that that will, that will shift. Um, You know, Amazon and Google both have their assistant kind of everywhere strategies for 2019 and they see you know voice assistants being really everywhere um and so i just think that that is um kind of a tide that we're gonna we're gonna ride what um what are you kind of are you measuring the effect of this in-store experience on sales and is it actually driving sales or is it people are just interacting with it for the novelty factor? Like there's an echo in my shop, I'll just play with it for a while. Are people doing that to play with it for an engagement in-store experiential thing or is it actually driving sales? Yeah, we're definitely measuring that data def- exactly like you mentioned. So uh, we're getting that information from the stores that we're working with um, on a weekly basis as well as monthly, and we're reporting that data back to them. But we're definitely consistently seeing sales lift uh, in the stores that Smart Isle has deployed in. And particularly, I think, when stores are engaged and working with us to, to make sure that this pilot is successful, we're seeing an increased lift there as well. Um yeah, definitely. There is a correlation, I would say, between the bottles specifically on our shelf and, and the ones that are being sold most frequently. Yeah, and we've actually been able to see that in both of our pilots so far in both stores. So so both Bottle Rocket last year and Bedlow this year. Um, it's been super exciting. It's definitely um, a key KPI for our retailers um, to see a sales lift. So um, it's not just novelty. Um, I think that could be why people initially approach it, but we're consistently seeing um, year over year lift. And then um, in this pilot, we're also looking at some control stores. So yeah, it's been fascinating. Wow. So it's not, cause it, it would be an in-store experiential 
thing you know it would be interesting to to have a go on it and to see and i would probably even if i wasn't shopping for whiskey i would definitely i think i would go over and and, you know have a little play around on it and stuff but if it's actually doing the job that it's intended to which is one informing people and then secondly increasing sales this seems like you might have struck gold with this (laughs) yeah yeah we hope so yeah so what are some of the we talked briefly about fitting in the the lights and the various um lights that switch on and off depending on what whiskey you've recommended what other design considerations do you, have you had to kind of take into account when designing an in-store experience um definitely things like noise uh there is a lot of background noise when people are shopping obviously so just in terms of how far people should stand from the shelf or what type of Alexa device we put on the shelf. That's definitely something we've had to think about. Um, Visual designs, that's kind of outside of our conversational world, but um, something that we're very interested in testing uh, in terms of bringing people into the shelf and how they recognize whether or not there is an Alexa on the shelf and if Alexa, the word, has any kind of brand resonance with consumers or the lights have more of a kind of draw factor for consumers. So there's a lot there to dig into visually, I would say, uh, aside from the personality that we're designing. Um, yeah. I think getting, getting them to say the invocation correctly is. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. always, yes. Yeah. So it's, how do we make that simple? How do we make it self-explanatory? Right. So you can tell what the benefit is and then, just clear enough. Uh, one of the things that I know just from doing lots of shopper research is that people just don't read things. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that's been a challenge for sure. So how, 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 what have you done then? How have you actually, um, approached that? What is it I'm, making the sign bigger? Or yeah. <laughs> how have you actually gone about that? I mean, we, so as an, ex, as a good, kind of an interesting example, we debated whether to, um, have the device be visible or hidden. Um, and we decided that the visibility definitely helped communicate what's going on at the shelf. Um, so there's lots of equity and there's lots of understanding when you see one of these smart speakers that you might recognize. Um, so we, what we chose to do, at least in this activation, is we have that front and center. We have the invocation on a sign like right in front of it, eye level. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're also working on a couple different ways into the experience to figure out how people want to shop it. Um, one of the things that we learned from our first activation is that people, some people wanted a very quick and not so guided experience. That would be more like, tell me about this bottle. Um, and so we wanted to design like a deep link into the product information. Um, so people could also just kind of have that ad hoc experience. So now we have two invocations. We kind of have to balance having two invocations on the sign, um, but so far it's been working, it's been working good. Um, but you know, we, we track which paths people take um, so that we know what's most useful to them um, and we can kind of pivot going forward. Two invocations of the same skill. So, you know, ask such and such to tell me about exactly monkey shoulder as well as pick me a whiskey kind of thing. Right, right. So it's currently Alexa open Smart Isle or ask Smart Isle to tell me about monkey shoulder. Yep. So do you have any idea on... Um, the kind of not necessarily usage numbers in terms of how many people are using it, but in terms of the roughly how many people are going to a specific store looking for 
that kind of product actually try it does is it like everyone just sees it and, and tries it or is it kind of like you know there's the people in the shop trying to get people to use it or how you know what do you have any idea of the kind of percentage of store in-store shoppers that try this stuff out yeah i mean it's at this point it's not we are fairly dependent on the associates um kind of introducing people to it um, bringing them over, kind of showing them demos. We found that that's been really important because it's a brand new thing. I mean, this is the literally the world's first example of this. So I don't think people, you know, a lot of times people walk by it, they don't notice it. Um, and so they need that um, kind of little nudge in the right direction, at least right now. I think that'll definitely change. And are people kind of exploring lots of because if, if, if you can if you can ask you know tell me about this whiskey and that whiskey but then you can also be presumably guided through some sort of process to narrow down whiskeys or what have you are people engaging with it for a long time are they sticking around are they trying lots of different stuff or do they just kind of you know is it like an in and out kind of thing yeah i would say our research is showing once people make it through the first question or so they definitely stick with it through to the end so it's kind of just like a normal conversation if they're hitting it off with the the person or the the personality that we've designed they uh, have commitment and will stick through to the end um, but obviously there are people who will ask the first question and for whatever reason not want to commit or not be satisfied with what they're feeling at that moment and walk away so it's kind of either or i would say and what kind of things have you done to to get them over that first question hump? That's a lot of the stuff that we're testing out now. So um, definitely making the value proposition really clear from the beginning, uh, making it clear what users can expect from the interaction right from that first question, uh, keeping it brief, not over explaining what we're doing while trying to make that value proposition clear so that we can kind of get on with the interaction. Um, and just really making it clear all of the different ways that users can respond um, so that they don't have to feel like they're being corralled into a specific type of experience. We can really take in uh, millions and millions of different inputs. So we just want people to say whatever they feel comfortable with. And obviously that's a lot of information to describe in two to three sentences. So <laughs> uh, we're doing a lot of A-B testing now to determine what rings the best. How are you going about doing that A-B testing? Are you just launching different versions of the skill in different stores? Uh, exactly. Well, we have we actually use Dashbot uh, to re do reporting on our end, so um, we can see exactly what kind of language that we're launching out into the world um, and measure the interactions after that. Um, so, seeing how many times each different version of a text was launched out to users, and then whether that made them continue on with the conversation or if they dropped off right after that. So, um, definitely have a lot of data that we're getting back about everything that we're saying and and measuring that. And, kind of going with the one that works the most successfully. You mentioned that you've mentioned persona a couple of times. Have you have you had to design a specific persona for each installation or is there one skill that specializes in whiskey and it's it's the same persona? We've so far had a different persona for each of our launches, uh, not within each store for BevMo, but for BevMo as a whole, we customized our personality to, to really resonate with their brand personality and social media presence and marketing presence really kind of rings true to who they are as a company. Um, our personality for Bottle Rocket is so different just because it's kind of a mom and pop store. Um, the two owners are so embedded in the culture and the sales process of that store. So they're really infused and 
in that persona. And it wouldn't make sense, I think, at a, a store without those two people there. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's definitely something we're continuing to see over time, uh, whether that makes sense to continue making these hyper-customized personas that match the store that they're based in, or if Smart Isle itself is a persona that kind of has any brand recognition or something like that with consumers so that the person owner could kind of begin to become its own thing. Are you using like text-to-speech then or are you recording all of the audio? Just text-to-speech for now in the Alexa voice or the Google voice, whatever uh, we've used for each of our installations. That's interesting. So you're using both in you're using both Google and Alexa? Um, yes, yeah, we have yet to launch our project that is going live with Google uh, shortly, but yes, for that next project, we will be venturing into the world of Google for, for that install. How have you decided when to use each? Um, to be honest, it's, well, it's fairly client-driven. So um, as you can imagine, some retailers are just not thrilled about having Amazon in their store. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, you know, we're also curious you know, about which one's going to work best for us. Um, so it's, we're at the stage where we're experimenting with the product. Um, so it's just as useful to us to kind of play around with both. Um, but, but yes, there's, there's some client demand as well. Do you have any any plans or any thoughts to take this this connection that you're making in store and 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 go into the the customers homes as well is there uh, a connection to be made there yeah i think there's an opportunity it's not uh it's not like on our immediate roadmap but i think there may be some low-hanging fruit um, and it's, that's one of the things that I think will come with our continued conversations, um, with BEMO as we assess the pilot and what the next steps are. Was there any other, Dustin mentioned about the, some of the installation challenges you might have had. Have you had any other technical challenges in, in putting this together or has it been essentially just a routine Alexa skill build? Other than, yeah, we're working with a team of developers and our product managers. I think some of the most pressing technical challenges I would say are just kind of deciding what a best practice is in this world where there isn't a lot of best practices to follow. So when should the lights play or how long should we pause between different language pieces um, for the sake of building all this stuff and kind of aligning with what we think will resonate with users. We're kind of creating all these rules as we go. So that's definitely been challenging um, to figure out what we want to test, how we want to measure it, when we want to make those changes in order to, to be as effective as possible. I would say that's probably our hugest technical challenge at the moment. Just look at the two activations that we're doing this year. So we did whiskey and then our next is going to be in skincare. And you can imagine this, that, that product shelf set is way different. Um, products are much smaller. So um, there's hardware uh, challenges to being kind of category, like to having such a wide um, range of categories. So, so yeah, there's lots of interesting business questions at this stage. And have you treated both of those projects as entirely independent projects? This one is whiskey. This one is skincare. It's completely different products, completely different um, use case. So we're just going to treat them both as standalone projects or have you taken like the core structure of the whiskey skill and applied that to the skincare and made a few tweaks yeah that's that's kind of a million dollar question um (laughs) in this particular instance we have 
we have basically started from scratch. I mean, we know what works um, in terms of like the length of the conversation and how many questions we want to ask. And um, but the specific parameters are based on understanding how people shop that category. So we have to start with insights that are related to this skincare category um, and also figure out what words shoppers use. So there's definitely a discovery period um, at every new category has to have its own. It sounds as though, so if Mars are typically and kind of agency, it sounds as though, and I don't know if there's any other examples in Mars where this kind of thing has happened, but it sounds as though you've now become almost like a, a product company as opposed to an agency resource in terms of you've now got this this skill which you can essentially almost white label for different businesses and different product categories and, and all that kind of stuff. So is, is this... Is this something that Mars typically do, or is this a kind of new kind of thing in terms of, um, you know, becoming almost like a, it's almost like, like a, a, almost like a software provider yeah. in its own, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We actually, Smart Out, we do kind of treat as a startup inside of the Mars agency. Um, Brooke and I do more than just work on Smart Isle, um, but but there is an exclusive Smart Isle team, um, and you totally hit the nail on the head that it is. A, you know, basically a, a software company where we have a product um, and we behave that way. Um, Mars has that history of um, kind of inventing and spinning out uh, new companies. So we are very much sort of part of that legacy. And what advice would you give for um, this the, the in-store experience? You know, I think you seem to have stumbled on something that is... I think the potential for it is huge, and I'll, I'll ask you the next question will be where do you think it's going? But first, for people who, you know, brands who have uh, physical locations and for, you know, even brands that sell particular products in, in physical locations, what, what kind of advice would you give them con- if they're considering uh, bringing voice in store? Um, I would say specifically, I mean, I definitely think in the next year and few years out from now, brands are going to need to have a presence on voice. Um, and I think people expect that definitely when they're in the home, uh, being able to deliver things to their door or have things ready for pickup at the store. Uh, that's just something that consumers are wanting and, and have a desire to have. And I think as it relates to the in-store experience, when consumers then go in-store, they're they're going to have more familiarity with voice experiences and, and voice as a medium and, and meeting them there and having a solution for that um, will only become more and more essential as time goes on. So you think that voice shopping is not just necessarily picking the product from in-store and, and, and helping people narrow down their product selection, but there's a bigger thing here, which is that voice and shopping in general is something that you think it, it was going to is forecasting. Exactly. Yeah. I, it's huge. I think everything from being able to place orders in your home um, to getting customized recommendations about what you should buy after you've made a purchase in the past uh, is all coming down the pipeline. So I think we're going to see radical shifts in terms of people going to grocery stores and, and buying the things that they typically would 
would buy and then go home. And that's kind of a cumbersome experience to things like getting all of your grocery items delivered to your door and you didn't even have to save anything about that. It just came to your house because of algorithms based on your past purchase behavior. Um, so I, I know there are a lot of steps in between those two <laughs> things, but it's coming uh, and definitely something that Amazon and Google are both trying to crack the code on. Yeah, I think voice shopping at home is um, it's a really, really ripe territory. Um, and there's lots of critics out there that say, you know, oh, voice shopping's not happening. Nobody wants to do it. Um, just a wide range of statistics that contradict each other um, about how much it's actually happening. Um, but I think that, you know, in the next year, we're going to see a brand or a retailer really start to build that experience on top of the voice service platform that is actually a great one. Um, you know, I have my eye on Walmart for sure. They yeah. just came out of the, stepped out of the Google Express network to build their own shopping action. Um, and I think that they are thinking in this way. And, you know, maybe once we have that leader, um, it will become clearer to other brands and retailers, but it's really just somebody has to make that experience that's enjoyable to use and that works, and then it's totally going to take off. Do you see that so for example if you're advising clients not on the in-store stuff but now we're kind of we're, we're going into the home and we're, we're you know voice shopping in the home would you be advising clients to consider google as opposed to amazon or, or is amazon equally as open to third-party retailers um it, it depends on so we we advise brands to go to consider both platforms they have their own uh individual um, opportunities. Um, it does appear that kind of a retail part retail partnerships are um, a little bit more, you know, they're further along on the Google side, and that makes more sense for that to be part of their strategy. Um, but on the Amazon side, you know, there's a, also a lot um, that they are willing to do to kind of help with test and learns and figure out what shopping looks like on their platform. So I think it just depends on your immediate goals, and eventually you're going to want to be in both places. Fantastic. Well, Bree, Brooke, this has been an absolute pleasure. Where can people reach out to you and follow you online and, and find out a little bit more about Mars and, and you know follow the, the stuff that you're up to? Sure. People can follow me on Twitter. I'm very active there. It's at Brooke B. Hawkins. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn a lot as well, publishing a lot about what we're doing at Mars. So we recently published a voice playbook for brands to get into the shopping world. So uh, I'll post links for all of that as soon as this episode comes out so people can find that information. <laughs> Cool. I'll put, it in, I'll put it in the show notes. For me, it's all about LinkedIn, so I'm happy to um, connect and, and kind of with anybody who's in the space and have conversations, so you can find me there. That was Bree Glazer and Brooke Hawkins. Thank you so much for joining us, Bree and Brooke. The best and biggest observation from that discussion, possibly even a revelation, was that their in-store voice assistant that helped people narrow down a product has actually been proven to increase sales. I don't think we made as big a deal of that as should have been made. <laughs> it's proving that it is increasing sales in-store. They have hit a gold man, seemingly. I mean, I can envisage a world where every single aisle has one of these. Because that's the whole point in, who was it? Was it Steve Krug that wrote The Paradox of Choice? Was it Steve Krug? Let me just check. Quick Google. Paradox of Choice. Barry Schwartz. Sorry, Barry. 
Barry Schwartz paradox of choice and, and the examples that he gives in that book around how too much choice can actually um, prevent you from making a decision with stuff like you know if you're in a supermarket and you've got a whole shelf full of different types of beans then it's impossible to make a choice on which type of bean you could go you should go for this is is the prime example of where voice can be used to overcome the paradox of choice and it's absolutely fantastic uh, looking forward to seeing that rolled out in a shop near me hopefully soon thank you Bree and Brooke for sharing with us what is probably it's the best news I've heard it's the best example of voice in commerce that I've really seen hard evidence of um, probably maybe ever I don't know the Virgin Trains is probably going to rival it but fantastic use case um, so I hope that inspired you to, to go out there and start thinking about how you can use voice to help customers make better decisions and to increase your sales and how voice can be used as a core part of the purchase journey thank you Bree and Brooke for joining us thank you Dustin as always and also as always thank you all for listening until next time see you later